0: Amen. Take your Bibles if you would. Psalm 42. Psalm 42. Now when you get to Psalm 42, the very first verse is going to be the verse that just jumps off the pages and you say, I've heard this psalm before. Now, you might have heard Psalm 42, verse number 1. I don't know if you've uh, kind of studied through this psalm or you're familiar with it or not, but I know that you've sung about this psalm right here. Verse number 1 says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks... So panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Now, we're going to walk through this entire psalm this evening. And I want to encourage you, some believe that this psalm, many, I would say, uh, take the approach that this psalm is a psalm of David. Now, as you read at the very top there, you'll see that it does not say it's a psalm of David. Some would assume that it is, that it's possibly uh, David as he's still on the run, either from Saul or if it's going all the way back to Psalm 41 here and it's a continuation there, some... Uh, believe that it could be a psalm of Hezekiah. Now, I'm not here to stand before you and say that it's either. I don't know. All I know is that the psalmist here begins to reveal that there is something that is struggling, something that is going on, something that he is laboring through, that he is walking through, that he is battling, that has his soul extremely heavy. His soul is heavy, and as you go and you study the scriptures, you'll find that the soul begins to deal with the inner being, the inner man, if you would. And as he is laboring through, as he is struggling through, he begins to deal with some things that I pray will be a help to you and to me tonight as we ask three specific questions. Now, I believe it was a couple of months ago or... Could be over the last year, I know we come to Psalm 42 and we began to deal with these. I'll give you these for just a moment. A couple of months or up to a year ago, we dealt with Psalm 42 and we found that there was a craving in verses 1 and 2. There was a craving, as he says right there, my soul panteth after thee, that speaks of a craving, that speaks of a longing, and we'll come to that here in just a few moments as well. And we began to see as you study through verses 2 on down to verse 11, you begin to see not only the craving but also the cause for that craving. What he's going through and he begins to express what the enemy is saying and what's going through his mind as in verse number 3 the Bible says, while they continually say, speaking of the enemy here, it's speaking, uh, speaking of the enemy here. Where is thy God? In verse number ten, 10, he also says, While they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Can you imagine every single day of your life, if you're, if you're going through a difficult season, you're going through a troubled time, you're battling something, if there was one who is not a believer, let's just say you walk into work or young people, you're going into school and you're going through just, you know, one of those seasons in life where it's just a difficult time. Now let's just come in contact with someone who is an atheist and every single day that person who's an atheist walks up to you and says, Hey, has that prayer been answered yet? And you say, No, we're just still praying. And that person looks at you and says, Where's your God? Can you, you imagine it probably not only gets old, but you, you can imagine the pain in the, the, as, the, as that the devil tries to use that question to stir it up. Where is my God? And he'll be asking that here in just a few moments. And so you begin to see some of the cause of this. Then verse number 2, he begins to use the concern as one thing that he uh, addresses. When shall I come and appear before God? The commitment is found in verse number 4 when I remember these things, dealing with past worship and past things that have taken place. And then there's confidence in verses 8 and 11. In verse number 8, it says, Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song shall be with me. In my prayer unto the God of my life. Verse number 11, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise Him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. So, if you are looking for just a kind of a a general, uh, I would say, summary of what's taking place, you'll find that those are kind of some of the things that is being approached here in this psalm. But this evening, we're going to ask ourselves three different questions because you can sense and you can tell that the psalmist here is, is battling with something that is, is, is troubling him and it's troubling him in the soul. When you look at verse number one, look at it with me for just a moment. The Bible says, "Is the heart paneth, again, that, that word paneth speaks of to long for, to crave. It says, after the water brook, so paneth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Now, we could stop this evening and preach on verse number 2 in that statement right there. My soul thirsted for God. Notice this right here. For the living God. You see, there are many gods that are worshipped in our day and age, in our world today, but all of those gods are dead gods. All of those gods are still gods that are in the ground. All those gods, if you were to go to dig up the remains, you'd find that they're still there. But our God is living. Our God is alive and well this evening, and He hears our prayers. He hears what we're facing. He understands what the future holds, and not only does He understand it, but He's the one who holds the future, and that's something we can rejoice in this evening. And He says, My soul thirsteth for God, and let me just pause for just a moment and remind you that he says my soul thirsted for God he goes for the living God let me pause there for the living God is what he says here verse number three it says my tears have been meat day and night while they continually saying to me where is thy God and so this evening we ask ourselves three questions those women the first question we ask when we're dealing with the soul here why does the soul need help We ask ourselves, why does the soul need help? As you come to Psalm 42, you'll find that he is addressing some things within his own life. He might be as David, who is running from Saul or running from Absalom. You don't know what's taking place. It might be a psalm of Hezekiah as he might be facing some struggles. But nonetheless, he begins to reveal, the psalmist here, a soul issue, a struggle within the soul deep down. And so you notice some of these things, if you would. Notice When we, we ask ourselves these three questions. Number one, why does the soul need help? As you read verse number one, the Bible says, As the heart panted after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. As you begin to see in verse number three that he read, uh, addresses the enemy here, he begins to address that he is Depressed depression has began to set in in his own life as he begins to struggle he asks this question the enemy does where is thy god and as you imagine for just a moment depression begins to set in in the psalmist's life and he begins to struggle through some things and you can imagine every single day waking up is not something that is pleasurable waking up is one of those things where as you wake up if you're in that season of life if you found yourself depressed you wake up and you think oh it's another day I have to labor through as you find yourself coming through and you've gone through that entire day you don't want to go to bed because all throughout the night you toss and you turn and it's on your mind and you can't fall asleep and so just when you fall asleep is whenever it's time to wake back up the psalmist here has found himself depressed and every single moment of his life is consumed by this question where is thy God? Notice with me, you say, well, how do you know that that is something that is consuming him? In verse number 5, he asks this question, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? In verse number 11, he asks it again, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? So not only is he addressing that he's, he's struggling here, he's found himself in a season of depression, he's going through, he's laboring through, and it's hurting him. It's, it's something that he's, he's struggling in the midst of all of it. And don't worry, there's a happy ending here. There's, there's, there's always you know, a portion of the psalm that reminds us that God is still faithful. The psalmist finds that out. But in the midst of it, he's, he's acknowledging, and he says right here, while they continually say unto me, where is thy God, speaking of the enemy? He was depressed. The soul was depressed. Not only was it depressed, but it was distressed. You see, in verse number 2, it says, My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? That statement, my soul thirsteth for God. He is desiring great fellowship with God here and desires to worship the Lord. Now, whether he was, uh, was taken from, if you imagine for just a moment, if you find yourself on the run, if you find yourself going through a season of difficulty... You want to think about and you want to consume, be consumed by God, you want to spend time with the Lord, you want to get in the Word of God, you want to do all of those things, but sometimes whenever you're in the midst of something difficult, the only thing that consumes your mind is that one thing. And as you think about that for just a moment, his soul is distressed, he's going through, he's, he's, he's struggling if you would. And you see, it's a serious thing because as he makes reference to the soul here, as he is dealing with this statement, my soul thirsts, he's saying, hey, the inner man is thirsting for God. You think about this for just a moment. You see, the inner man always directs the outer man. What's in will always come out, just so you know. And I was just talking to someone just the other day, and and, and I made that reference. What's in the heart will always come out. It will. It always does. It can always stay locked up in there so long, but at some point in time, it will show itself. As he makes reference to this, he may have been cut off. If he's on the run, he may have been cut off not because of of choice, but his mind was elsewhere. The distractions, his mind was consumed by something or whatever the case might be. So his fellowship was not what he desired it to be. So he's longing for that fellowship, but he's also longing for that time of worship. In verse number four, he makes this reference right here. He says, when I remember these things, that statement, when I remember these things, is speaking of those past times of worship. And and let me just deal with this for just a moment. I don't don't truly believe that every child of God understands what worship really and truly means. We're we're living in, in a world today that whenever you are talking to someone, if someone asks the question, hey, what is your worship like? What are they asking? What's your music like? What's your music? How's your music? Well, listen, there's so much more to worship than just music. There are so many Christians who have a misguided misunderstanding of what true worship is. One of the greatest books I've ever opened outside of the Word of God was a book that is called Return to Worship. And what it deals with is it deals with worship as a whole. Number one, we have to define what worship is. And then it goes on in that book and begins to deal with true worship and how you worship. And as you think about worship as a whole, you look at the society, you look at the world. Long before COVID had hit, you look at certain things and you think about the lack of attendance in churches over the last century. You look around and you you see the lack of Bible truth, understanding. You look around and you you look at the, the, the lack of prayer in the Christian life and all of those many things. All of those things are a part of worship. But you see, in our day and age and in Christianity as a whole, worship is no longer the priority. You say, well, what do you mean? Worship ought to be, and it is, in the Word of God, you'll find that worshiping God is the priority. But it's not anymore in our society. In our society nowadays, I don't know how many times I've been sent an email that says, do you want to increase your attendance by 250%? What pastor doesn't want to increase his membership by 200%? You want to reach everyone that you come in contact with. But can I share with you? that having my membership 250% more is not the end goal. I know many churches, and you see them as you maybe have walked in churches, you maybe see them on TV, you see stadiums full of, of events and things like that, and there are many churches that when you walk in, you can just tell that God's not in that place. God's not in that place. The Holy Spirit wasn't invited. Just the other day I was listening, and I, I made reference to this on Sunday, but I was listening to Leonard Ravenhill, and as he made that statement, that if, if the, the, uh, the Holy Spirit were not to show up, many churches would not even notice that day. But the truth of the matter is, he goes on and deals with this, and he says it's a sad day, but oftentimes we invite the Holy Spirit, but it's only on our terms and when we can invite them. We say, okay, Lord, it's 11 o'clock, now it's time to meet with us, here we go, it's 11 o'clock, you have till noon, and this is when you're going to meet with us, we're ready to go. No, 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 every single day of our lives we ought to desire to commune with the Lord and to meet with the Savior. And the, The psalmist here is saying, when I remember these things, can I illustrate it to you for just a moment, I want you for just a moment to go back... And in your mind, I know that every single one of us has this, that moment or a church service where you say, you know what, I remember that church service. God did something in that service. So that was one of those services. That was, that was one of those meetings. That was one of those times, whether it was in your home when you were sitting in your seat and you were reading the Bible and God revealed Himself to you, or, or as a family you were reading the Bible and you began to find yourself as a family just communing with the Lord and together and God drew you closer, or maybe it was in a revival service or a missions conference or a youth meeting or whatever the company you just say, that was a time when God did something. The psalmist here is saying, when I remember these things... Later on, you'll find in verse number four, as he begins to deal with this, that those were times whenever he begins to express that he is weeping. But can I share with you, he's not weeping over the the, the situation in itself because of of the fact that whenever he remembers those things, it brings tears concerning carnality. No, 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 it's it's tears of rejoicing, if you would. He's not regretting this. He's rejoicing in those memories. I believe two or three years ago, I, I preached a message on the blessing of a memory. And God has given us all many, many blessings. Whenever you concern and you think about uh, memories within our lives, you know I think back on just a just the other day I was sitting in, in the living room and I was I looked over and Kelly was going through her phone and she was looking at all of the the, the, the many videos on our phones of the, of the kids and she's sitting over there and she's showing me and she's laughing and those are memories. I have memories as a child whenever I was growing up of things that I did. I remember vividly as a a young child locking my grandmother out of the house. I remember those things. I remember her panicking, and I remember myself crying. I remember all of those things. I remember going to the go-kart track with my dad and my mom. and all. I remember growing up and playing basketball with my stepdad. I remember all of these many memories within my mind. I remember the memories at church. I remember going to my wanna class whenever I was a child. I remember all of these many things and the blessing of a memory. And he says, when I remember these things. Why? Because he was distressed. You know, the Bible also tells us that David encouraged himself in the Lord. It's a biblical thing to encourage yourself in the Lord, and memories do just that. He was distressed. In the midst of his distress, you begin to see this word panteth right here. You see, the depression led to the distress in his life, and the word panteth speaks of to long, to crave. It reveals a a passion, if you would, a desire, a mo- an emotion, if you would, that's being expressed. And if you would, just for just a moment, picture with me a, a child that is so excited and so uh, stirred up that they're ready for something that you can just tell the excitement is on their face. It's kind of like a parent who is so proud of their child whenever they've just done something. If you were to be where I am on, on some of the, the, the church activities or, or whenever we have special services and whenever your child is up here, I'm looking at you and you can just see the smiles on your face. You're Excited, you're thrilled, you're excited and revealing that passion, if you would. He says, as the heart panteth after the water brooks. That that deer there is, is, is thirsty. It, it needs water. Our dog Darcy just recently had another litter. And uh the room for the puppies for the first two weeks has to be kept at 90 to 95 degrees. It's warm. And uh Darcy, every single time that I walk in there, as soon as I open that gate, she's gone. I mean, she's bolting out of there. And I have to be careful because of the puppies. And when I let her back in, you can tell that that dog is thirsty. She goes to the We've got a little jug that just kind of slowly will, will dwindle as she drinks the water. And I filled it up the other day, put some ice cubes in it so it was kept cold for her and as soon as she got that water, it was full, and by time, I stood there for about five to ten minutes just watching her and looking at the pups and checking on them, and it started right here, and it was down right there. I mean, she was just chugging the water. I mean, getting as much, she was thirsting for, she was craving it, and you could tell, Theo, every single morning, whenever I go and I will uh, get his food ready and I'll get his water, Theo does one thing, and it's something that I crack up about every single time. Theo will be in the living room or in the kitchen, wherever he's at. As soon as he hears me grab his bowl, walk over to the sink, and as he hears me grab his bowl, walk over to the sink, and as I turn the water on, you'll see him, his paws, he'll just run behind me and he'll put his paws up and he'll slide across the entire uh, the, the cabinets there. And he's fired up about the water, and I'll go and put that water. He's craving it, if you would. And that's what he is using. The reference here. Is he's saying, as the heart panted, hey, I'm craving it so much, I need it, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Can I ask you this question? When was the last time that as a child of God you craved to meet, to fellowship, to spend time, to, whether in the Word of God, whether in the house of God, whether in prayer with the Lord? When was the last time you said, oh, I just need it? When was the last time you said, I can't wait, I can't wait to get back in the Word, I can't wait to get back to the house of God, I can't wait to spend time in prayer, I need it right at this moment, I'm craving it, revealing that desire through emotion. He goes on dealing with this distress and he begins to reveal it as he uses this statement right here in verse number three, my tears have been my meat day and night. I didn't know what that meant. But I'll tell you right here: as soon as I understood through studying the Word of God what it meant, I've been there before, and I know you have as well. How many of you have ever experienced before? Whenever you were going through something, you just weren't hungry. You weren't in the mood to eat. You just—I mean, it could be your favorite meal. You just weren't—you didn't have an appetite. And maybe you you go and you just kind of spend some time alone, and you find yourself weeping. And many of you know this: that whenever you begin to cry, what do your tears taste like? Salty. Very salty. And as you you begin to cry, you begin to taste that saltiness, and that saltiness then makes you a little bit thirsty, and so you get some water. And so what he is saying right here in verse number 3, he says, My tears have been my meat day and night. What he is saying right here, his only meal... He was so broken. He was struggling so much that he wasn't even craving a meal. He wasn't, didn't have an appetite that he wept so much that the only thing that he was tasting were his tears. He was struggling so much that he says, hey, the only thing right now, my tears have been my meat day and night. Hey, I'm weeping so much. Why are you distressed? Why are you weeping? Because every single day they say, where is thy God? And God, I don't know where you are been there before where's your god uh, is, is, is the lord not answering your prayer you, you say you're a christian you say you, your god's always there where is he during all this lord where are you you're weeping you're going through you're you're, you're struggling and he says while they continually say to me where is He?" i mean he's he's laboring through he's distressed his appetite was gone he then goes on as he continues dealing with this this thought of my soul thirsts, at that inner man, talking about the inner the, the, the past victories and the past times of worship, when I remember these things, notice this next statement he says, I pour out my soul in me. Now I want you to think and picture this for just a moment. As you think about, and we're coming to the encouraging part here in just a moment. Don't worry. But as he's he's going through this, Jackson. We've learned something about Jackson. Every child has that one thing that you begin to figure out about them whenever they want something or whenever they're trying to get their way. Jackson's voice, he's already got a, he's already got a tenor voice as it is. But that tenor voice, all of a sudden, when he wants something, he gets into the falsetto. I mean, it just continues. We, we'll, we'll always tell him, son, lower the voice. I mean, Because it gets so high you can't understand him. And it's like, dude, what are you saying right now? I can't even understand you. And so he begins to, 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 to cry and to try to get his way. Just last night, he wanted to watch a movie, and it was bedtime. And he said, but I didn't get to watch it. I said, well, too bad, it's bedtime. You don't always get to watch TV. You don't always get that. And so he didn't get to do that that day, and that voice just began to climb. I want you to picture this for just a moment as he makes this statement in verse number 4 here. He says, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holy day. When he is making this statement, he's speaking of those past victories that we just talked about, those past times of worship where, man, you ever, you ever been talking to someone? And you just got out of a meeting, or you went to a revival service, or it was just a Sunday service, or it could be anything. It could be a Tuesday night, a Wednesday night, a Thursday night, whatever. But it was one of those services. And, and you make this statement. We've all said it jokingly, but you truly make this statement. You just It's hard to describe. You just had to be there. And they say, well, well tell me a little about it. And you say, it's just one of those things. You just—you have to understand you had to be there. The Spirit was so sweet. God was moving I was talking to Brother Richard Jacobs just just uh, this, this morning, and uh, we were talking, and he asked about the youth conference, and I said, man, the Lord met with us. And he said, well, 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 tell me a little bit about it. I said, well, I, you know, I told him about the messages that were preached and what was taking place. He says, oh, it sounds like it was a good meeting. I said, you just, it is. You just had to be there. And I began to describe the, 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 the service when Brother Pope was sitting in the back there and that song was being sung when I let my Isaac down. I began to describe the emotions of Brother Pope and the service. And, and I said, it was just one of those things that it's easy to explain. You say, oh, that sounds good. But whenever you're there in person, you're seeing God work, and you're watching teenagers at the altar, and you're watching youth groups praying, and you're watching parents pray with their children. I said, it's just hard to explain unless you're there. And so you think about something like that. In Psalm 42, verse number 4, he says, For I had gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God. The voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy. I mean, he, he's, he's remembering and he's reflecting on those times whenever, hey, he was, he was going with others. He was rejoicing in what God was doing. He was, he was happy to be in the house of God. He was happy and a joyful thing to watch what the Lord was working. He's remembering those things. And as he's rejoicing in those things... You'll see in here in just a moment, he then reminds himself, verse number 5. In verse number 5, he says this, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Now, I'm going to use three different words here. and I'm going to use them at the very end of the message as well, because there's a transition of... Whenever you ask this question concerning the soul here, what does the soul need or why does the soul need help? In verses 1 through 4, he begins to express what's going on, answering that question for us. I mean, he's distressed. He's depressed. He's, he's lonely. He, he's, he's really going through it. He's struggling, if you would, and all of this. But in verse number 5, he asks this question, and the three words are these. Number one, he says this, why art thou cast down, O my soul? He begins to do a self-examination. Can I express it to you? You ever been in that season of depression or in that season of distress and you're going through it and, and there comes a day where you finally just are fed up with it. And here's what you're fed up with. You're, 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 you're annoyed because everyone around you is an enjoying life. Everyone around you is having a grand time. Everyone around you is, is acting as though everything's normal for them and they're enjoying life. And you realize that, hey, everything is good for them. Everything is, and they should be. They shouldn't be, you know, weeping. They shouldn't be upset about anything. Everything's grand for them. And you ask this question, why am I acting this way? You're just so frustrated with yourself. I mean, someone comes and they're a blessing to you and, and you're thankful, but you just can't get out of that rut, if you would. I mean, someone comes and they, they share some kind words and, you know, you, you listen to those words, but you just, you just can't pull yourself out. And, and you find yourself just finally coming to the point where you say, I'm so tired of being this way. I'm so tired of being frustrated. I'm so tired of being annoyed. And it's what he's saying right here. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? He does a self-examination. He very simply just utters these words. Why, that kind? Why am I fresh? Why am I going through this? Why am I letting the enemy control all of these things? You know, I was reading, I was going through, and I was looking on social media at my brother's account just the other day. And I'm going to pull this up. I don't remember. It just now popped in my mind. But as I was looking at this, I was looking at his 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 Instagram page, and he has a... He has a quote here at the very top that I just now thought of that, that, that pinpoints exactly what he is saying when he says, why are also art thou cast down? Why art thou cast down? Oh my, he's doing this self-examination. Why am, I first, why am I letting the enemy control all of this? Here's the quote. Someone else's opinion of you doesn't have to be your reality people are going to think stuff about you all the time. Now, that might be the only good thing my brother's ever said in life. All right? I don't think he said it. He stole it. But I'll give him credit tonight. But someone else's opinion doesn't have to be a reality. As you think about this, the psalmist is saying, I don't have to be this way. I don't have to wake up the next day discouraged and distressed and depressed. I don't have to wake up the next day and let the the enemy have the victory. You say, well, how do you, how do you know that he's expressing it that way? In verse number 5, he goes on. And why art thou disquieted in me? Notice this next statement. Hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. Not only is he doing an examination during all of this distress, but he does an exhortation during all of this distress. He reminds himself in that statement, hope thou in God, that, hey, God's not dead. Lord, where are you? I don't know where you are right right now in the midst of all of it, but Lord, I know you're there. Lord, I'm going to continue to hope. And can I share with you as a child of God that those who are lost are looking for hope. They're longing for hope. They wake up every single day and they're saying, I can't find hope. I don't know where to find it. And as a child of God, every single day you can wake up and say, there's Jesus right in the midst of it. He says, hope thou in God. He reminds himself as he he, he examines, but then he begins to exhort himself. And then he says this, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. You begin to see that he begins to exalt the Lord. There's an exaltation, if you would. This statement is a statement of faith renewed in God. He believes that God will remove and, and help him and guide him through all of that distress. As a child of God, can I share with you, I don't know what you're facing, and I'm thankful that we're going through Psalm 42 because it's a wonderful reminder that every single day we don't have to let the enemy control us. As a matter of fact, these circumstances of life, God allows to take place. And whenever you find yourself going through uncertain circumstances, you don't have to look at those circumstances and say, those are the circumstances that are going to get me because God is bigger than those circumstances. Hope thou in God. And he goes on and reminds himself that, hey, yet shall I praise him for the help of his countenance. What he's saying is, hey, God's right there. God's right there. So what's the first question? Question number one, why does the soul need help? Question number two, two and three are very short. What is the cure for the soul needing help? What is the cure? This evening, we won't be long, verse 5 through 8, you begin to see that he was overwhelmed. When he makes this statement in verse number 5, hope thou in God, he is renewing his faith in God. This evening, can I encourage you to renew your faith in God? If you found yourself living in a season of distress, and of disappointment, of discouragement, of depression, you say, hey, I'm going through it, and I've allowed the enemy to, to really just pinpoint all of these things. I've allowed the enemy to control my reactions and my actions and my life and my, my daily living. Night and day, I find myself discouraged. And night and day, I find myself not wanting to take part in another day. And don't let it. Renew your faith in God. But not only does he do that, as he goes on, he says this, For I shall yet praise him for the... The help of his countenance, he is renewing his commitment to God's bidding. God's bidding, what God allows to take place. Hey, whatever God allows, yet will I praise Him for it. Hey, if God sees fit to give me a, a mountaintop experience tomorrow, then praise God, I'll walk with Him on that mountaintop. If God sees fit to, to allow me to go through the valley tomorrow, then praise God, I'll walk with Him in the valley because He'll be there right with me, hand in hand. And so He is saying, hey, I've got to renew that commitment. I've got to renew that faith, but He also says, I need to renew that submission. Notice with me, if you would, for just a moment in verse number eight, it says, Yet the Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night His song shall be with me, and my prayer, Notice this statement. Under the God of my life. Under the God of my life. For I shall yet praise him. For the God of my life. He begins to renew his submission to God's will. One of the things that we will find is that when we are overwhelmed and we will not renew those things, we'll stay overwhelmed. But when you find yourself renewing those things, you'll find yourself going from overwhelmed to overjoyed. Watching God work all of those things out, and he finds himself in verse number 8 and in verse number 11 overjoyed. He says, hope thou in God, in verse number 11, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. You see, he begins to answer this question of what is the cure for the soul? What is the cure for the soul needing help this evening? I believe it's a renewed faith, a renewed commitment, and a renewed submission to God's will, to God's bidding, and God Himself. Number three, we ask this question, what does God do for the soul needing help? Notice in verses 9, 10, and 11, the psalmist psalmist reminds us that instead of walking on his own and trying to figure things out, he chooses two things. The first thing he chooses is in this psalm, he chooses to talk to God. You say, I'm in it. I'm struggling, I'm really going through it, I'm discouraged, I'm depressed, I'm down, I'm defeated, it's it's as though the enemy, I've let the enemy win this battle. Can I share with you, the battle's not over until God says it is. Don't let the devil win, don't let the enemy win, choose to talk to God. Let me ask you this question, when was the last time you took it to God? One of the things, I love Proverbs 3, I love it. And one of the reasons I love Proverbs 3 is because you begin to find that in Proverbs chapter number 3, if you go there for just a moment, look with me at these two words. In Proverbs chapter number 3, Bible says this, verse number 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. We say, oh, we can trust the Lord. And God makes no mistakes, but in my own mind, I always think of verse number 6 before I verse, verse number 5. Because if I'm ever going to trust God, I should first acknowledge God. In all thy ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Let me ask this. When was the last time you acknowledged God in the midst of all this? Acknowledge Him and then trust in Him. The psalmist begins to talk to God. The psalmist reminds himself, and we see this throughout this psalm, that the answer is this. What does God do for the soul needing help? Well, three things. He makes the soul strong. He makes the soul healthy. He makes the soul bright. In this psalm, we see those three things that are taking place. You see that he begins to remind himself of that strength that he finds when he hopes in God. He begins to remind of that healthiness whenever he says right here, verse number 11, uh, who is the health of my countenance and my God. And then he begins to remind himself again that, hey, there's a brighter day coming when he says, hope thou in God for I shall yet praise him. I have no reason to be cast down. In verse number 11, you see that again that examination. In verse number 11, why art thou cast down? He begins to examine himself. In verse number 11, hope thou in God. He begins to exhort himself. In verse number 11, for I shall yet praise him. He begins to exalt the Lord once again. And so he chooses to talk to God, but he chooses to trust in God. He examines, he exhorts, and he exalts. Can I encourage you this evening? Psalm 42 is more than just verse number 1 and 2. The entire psalm gives us the insight of one who is struggling, that's going through a battle, that's laboring through a difficult time. And the psalmist reminds us that, hey, until God's finished, we keep plugging along. You know, I, we, we joked about it whenever we were in the, in the uh, soul winning, I mean the uh, discipleship class, and I made reference to Finding Nemo, but it, it still rings true, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep plugging along. Just keep going. He says this one more time and we'll be done. Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. This evening we see in Psalm 42 a psalmist who has a thirsty soul. He's going through it. And he had the choice. Do I let the enemy define me? Do I let the enemy defeat me? Or do I take it to the Lord? The psalmist chose to talk to God and he chose to trust in God. Could I encourage you this evening? Choose to talk to God and choose to trust in God. He always comes out on top. He's never lost a victory he can't lose a victory. He's incapable of it. And So trust in him this evening. Lord, we do thank you. Lord, we love you. We rejoice in who you are and what you've done in our lives. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for, uh, Lord, the sanctification process of our lives. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you. We thank you for church family. We thank you for a church to walk in. We thank you for ministries. We thank you for blessings. We thank you for all the many things that, Lord, you work out. And, Lord, we're tonight asking you to meet with us, We close out this service in prayer. Lord, some no doubt hurting, they need you. Some praying for others. Lord, help us not to let the the enemy win, but to take it to you in prayer. Help us to talk to you and trust in you once again. Guide us now. Use this invitation the way you see fit. We'll thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.